Hey, this is John, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org forward slash young adults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So when I go on Instagram, I really go for one reason, um, and it's to watch funny videos, which is kind of ironic, because that's kind of why TikTok exists, but I, I, I just can't have two sources of procrastination in my life. I can't, I can't have TikTok and Instagram, so I just choose uh, the lesser evil for me. And so my favorite videos, though, are those with kids doing funny things, and it's dual reasons. One, because it's cute, but two, I send them to Rachel and, you know, baby fever. Anyway, so... <laughs> But honestly, little kids are the most true representation of humanity because they just don't know how to hide, diddly squat. Like, they, they're just the most honest people. Like, if they like you, you know it. And if they don't, they, you know it too. And so there's one particular video recently that made me laugh a lot, and it was, um, it was a little African-American child, and uh, he sees, the, like, the, the hose part of the vacuum cleaner. And so, like, any curious kid, like, he goes to the contraption that is making this weird noise, and he places it on his face, and it just, you know, and, 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 and it just sucks up half his face. And, and in a split second, you just see the horror in this poor child's eyes, right? Like, he probably doesn't even know the words, like, how to say anything, but, like, you just see in his eyes, like, I'm in danger, you know? Like, and that's all the kid can communicate. So, you know, he pulls off this evil, like, machinery off of his face, and, and naturally, what does he do? He starts crying, right? Because that's just, that's just what children know how to do. Because they want to convey that something is wrong and relay that they feel defend, defenseless and vulnerable. And now the video ends there, and, and you might think that maybe I'm a little terrible for laughing at this because, you know, a child's gotten hurt. And I'm also the kind of guy who, like, when, <laughs> when someone runs into, like, a clear door, I laugh at that as well. But, <laughs> but it did get me thinking about how people respond to feeling defenseless, right? Because, like, no one here genuinely enjoys the sensation of being vulnerable, Right? Like, no one looks forward walking into a situation that has a high chance of being dangerous. So, like, when a child feels this way, they tend to cry. But, like, have you ever noticed what a child does right afterward? They look around for who? Their parent. One of their parents. Because their parent is meant to be the greatest source of protection and safety. And then the moment they lock eyes with their parent, they run as fast as their little uncoordinated legs can take them, and they cling to their parent's leg, holding on for dear life. Like, Mom, did you just see this thing suck my face? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And, you know, and the, the mom or the dad just picks them up and be like, it's, it's going to be okay. It's fine. It, not, not, you're not dead. It's okay. But the child wants to be reassured that things are going to be Okay. And now this reaction is something that's naturally built into all of us, even as adults, right? Like as the world continues its cycle of beauty and brutality, we too become feeling defenseless and scared, right? Because like so many life events just come out of nowhere, just like the vacuum ate the kid's face, right? Like if you look outside, gas is almost $5. Honestly, it's probably rising up as I preach this message. And that's terrifying for a lot of us because some, some of us don't make that much money, right? Like $5 is what I would give somebody 
to take, for taking me to like the airport. Five bucks barely gonna get me to the airport. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you might get there, but you ain't coming back on five dollars. And then like Ukraine is at war with Russia, right? And like, you know, Putin is threatening, like if anyone messes with me, like there's gonna be consequences never seen in history. Like maybe, maybe not we're on in the beginning of World War III, who knows? And that's just like the global stuff, right? Like what about the personal stuff that hits us out of nowhere? Losing your job, family members get sick, someone gets the promotion that you thought for sure was yours. And as all of this is happening, we come to recognize that much of our lives are out of our hands. And our instinct then is to find something, safety in something and hold on to it for dear life. What is that thing for you? What makes you feel the most safe as you sit in these seats today? Is it the money you're making? Or, or how about that boy or girl you just started dating? Or maybe you're one of the people that really trust the you know, politics and government officials, or maybe you really put a lot of faith in social justice movements. Maybe you find safety, uh, and I do find safety in this often, is in knowing things. So you cling to news articles and social media po posts. Or maybe you're one of the smarter people who've tried it all and have come to the conclusion that you can't depend on anybody. Maybe yourself. But what I believe many of us are starting to come to terms with is that these people and systems cannot protect us and they cannot save us because these things and these people are just as vulnerable as you and I are. And as we turn to tonight's passage in chapter 10, we find people who are in a very similar situation. They don't know what else to cling to. They don't know what else to turn to for safety because all the systems and practices provided to the Jewish people had done nothing to care for the people of God. You see, all throughout the Old Testament, we see that God establishes an order of leadership that exists primarily to care for God's people. But by the time we get to the time of Jesus, the responsibility had fallen on the Jewish rabbis. And according to God's word, they were, to, they were instructed to teach God's word faithfully. They were to live a life of sacrifice. They were to care for widows and orphans. They were to defend the weak and the powerless. They were supposed to stand up against the tyranny that threatened their people. But as we've gone through the book of John together, we see that these rabbis are anything but that. In fact, in chapter 9, a couple weeks ago when we went through it, we see exactly the type of leaders these men are. In chapter 9, we see that Jesus heals a blind man, and as the blind man is brought in to the temple for questioning, what do the Pharisees do? They don't celebrate with him. They actually end up casting him out. They threaten his parents, saying, if you defend your son's story, you're going to be kicked out of the temple, which means you're going to be kicked out of society. They insult the man, they, and, and arrogance literally pours out of their mouth just as venom comes out of a snake. And if that's not bad enough, the Pharisees who were to know God's word more than anybody else were blind to the fact that the Messiah, Jesus, the long-awaited Savior, was standing before them. These were the religious caretakers of Jesus' time. Arrogant, proud, manipulative, and blind. And these were the leaders that the Jewish people were supposed to entrust their lives to? I mean, the Pharisees had failed. But the Jewish people had no other choice but to buy back into this broken cycle because what other option was there? And so we'll open up our Bibles again to chapter 10. You see, as Jesus exposes these 
snakes is what they are. Um, he begins to speak both to the crowd and to the Pharisees, and he begins with a parable. And a parable is a form of storytelling popular in the time of Jesus, one of Jesus' favorite ways of conveying truth. And so in verses one through six, Jesus describes a relationship, the relationship a shepherd ought to have with their sheep. And so what does verse three say? To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. What does verse four say? When the shepherd has brought out all of his own, he goes before the sheep, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So Jesus here is describing a very close relationship that exists between these two characters in the story. But in the midst of the parable, Jesus mentions another party. He speaks about the thief and robber. In fact, it's actually how he begins the parable. Truly, truly, I say to you, he says in verse one, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And then in verse five, it says that the sheep will not follow these strangers, but instead they will flee from the thief, which implies that the thief exists to take and lead the shepherd's sheep astray. But as we begin to read this parable, you might start asking the question or might be wondering, as I was, why is Jesus choosing to talk about shepherds, sheep, and thieves? There are so many different ways he could have gone about it, but why would he have mentioned these three categories? And so Jesus, in this parable, intends to explain how the Pharisees have failed and what Jesus is going to do about it. And actually, the rest of this passage, verses 7 through 17, Jesus explains this parable a little bit more in depth. But before we do that together as a community, we're actually going to have to take a little bit of a slight detour. Because in order to understand Jesus' teaching in this text and to understand why Jesus feels so passionate in this passage, we're going to have to jump into the Old Testament because Jesus' parable is connected to passages of Scripture that he wants his listeners to tie together. And so I'm going to take us to Ezekiel 34. It's in the Old Testament. I'll give you a second to find it. And I, I really would encourage you to follow along with me because it really will make John 10 make more sense. You see, in the Old Testament, the title most often associated with leaders who are charged with caring for God's people was the role of shepherd. And the people of God are often referred to as the flock, as sheep. And so in context, and before we jump into it, I just want to explain where we're at in, in Ezekiel. God is speaking to the leaders of Israel who had betrayed God's people and they have turned away from God altogether. And the priests were corrupt and the kings were evil. There was nowhere else to turn to. This is what verse one to four says. Read along with me. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel. Son of man, He's telling Ezekiel, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. You see, God here is speaking directly to the shepherds of Israel, which are the religious leaders of Ezekiel's day. And he berates them for the abuse they put on the sheep. They abuse, see, these leaders, they, they abused the poor and they robbed them. Like they had very little to begin with, and yet these shepherds take what's left. 
And they take advantage of these people and use their money to dress themselves with the finest clothes. And they live in the finest homes while the majority of Israel lives in poverty. And it gets worse. Let's read on 5 through 10. So these sheep, they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they become food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, God says. They wandered over all the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to seek or none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the, word, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. No, I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Now, do these, as we read this, you see that this terrible treatment conducted by the shepherds of Israel causes the sheep to get scattered. But what, I, what, what is most moving for me is that God is not talking about just any kind of sheep. What does he say in verse 6? That these are whose sheep? They are God's sheep. And so he says, he makes it personal. He says, my sheep are scattered. And no one is looking for them. My sheep have become prey with no one to protect them. My sheep are hungry because you shepherds have chosen to feed them, to feed yourselves instead of feeding the sheep. God then ends this section in one of the most powerful and scary ways. He says, I am against you shepherds. And the same righteous anger that we see in the book of Ezekiel is the same anger that Jesus has in his heart towards the Pharisees of his day. He looks at the Pharisees, the Pharisees and he tells them, you were supposed to care for my people. And what have you chosen to do instead? You abuse them. You tie heavy burdens on the necks of my people. You lord religion over them. You cast out my people like they're lepers. You leave them on the streets, hungry, sickened, lost, and broken. You've failed them. And the corruption, you see, this is what you have to understand and why sometimes people misunderstand Jesus. The corruption of this world, Jesus is not blind to it. He's actually very angered by this. We get a very romanticized vision of Jesus sometimes, one of a, of a Jesus who is all loving and no action. But no, Jesus is very angry because he loves his sheep. Jesus is not blind to the evil in this world. Like, like please hear me this tonight. Jesus sees it all. And he doesn't just see the world. He sees your life. He sees everything in it. And he does not see it from afar. Like he is with us even as we speak right now. And he knows the things you are struggling with. He knows the people who have abused you or are abusing you today. He knows the governments are corrupt. He knows that people are greedy. He knows this world seeks to consume his people. He knows it all. And Jesus' words to those people who seek to do his sheep harm is this, I am against you. Jesus makes this absolutely personal because we are his sheep. And that's what Jesus is trying to say in this connection between Ezekiel 34 and John 10. It's that these people have hurt and abused his sheep. And what I love is this. He says this in another place in the Gospels in Matthew 9. 
36, Jesus says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, it's not that Jesus just sees. That would be enough, I guess, right? Like, at least you know that something's happening. No, 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 no. When Jesus sees his sheep hurt, Jesus moves. There is no other way Jesus knows how to behave. That word, compassion, in the Greek means to be deeply moved from one's inner bowels. What that means is that when Jesus sees him, his people suffer, when he sees you in your suffering, when he sees you in your lowness, he, his very most inner being is to move in compassion and in action towards you. You are not alone. He has moved to compassion and action for you. Let's turn back to John 10 to see what action he takes. Let's read verse 7, seven through 11 together. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, I came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, you would, see, you would expect Jesus to begin this part of the parable by saying he's the good shepherd. Right, like that's usually what people remember actually when they talk about this passage. When, when people think about this passage, they think about, oh yes, Jesus is my shepherd. Like I love him, he's awesome. And, this, and it, it really is easy to romanticize. Like I often remember as a kid, um, I remember seeing this painting with Jesus and he's with like a bunch of little sheep and it's like, and I'll, I'll take you the picture and it's not accurate, but it's the picture nonetheless. It's this white guy <laughs> and, and which, what, you know, whatever. And he's got this thick beard and he's wearing this white robe and blue sash. And, and, and Jesus has one little cute sheep under his arm. And then there's like a ton of other little cute sheep around him. And you suddenly, you like, you got to get like this urge to sing that nursery rhyme. Like, Jesus had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. But, but here's the truth. That's not the painting that Jesus is trying to picture for us here. That's not the picture that Jesus is trying to paint for us here. That's what I meant. It's not so cute and cuddly. Like, like, what did we just read in Ezekiel 34? God's sheep are scattered, injured, hungry, alone, and beaten. This parable is much more like an emergency room than a spa day. So then why does Jesus begin this verse seven saying, I am the door of the sheep? It's, it's an interesting imagery that Jesus uses because doors aren't exactly a comforting thing, are they? Like no one like sends a text like, hey, I'm gonna be a door for you. I got you. Like, like no, especially like when like you think of a modern understanding of what a door is, right? Like it's not this, like Jesus is not describing himself as like a nice solid oak door with like these nice fixtures and like that's, no. Actually, the image that Jesus is portraying here is much more of a gate. Yes, the word here in the English is used as door, but it's more of a gate. And this gate does two things for the sheep. It keeps out, uh, intruders out while the sheep rest, but it's also the very means in which the sheep are taken through to go out and be fed in the pastures. So it protects, but it's also the entryway to goodness. 
And that's why verse 9, Jesus says this, he is the door, and what does he say? If anyone enters through him, they will be what? Saved and will find what? Pasture. But what exactly are they being saved from? Remember that character that we read about in verse 1? The thief? Well, he's back. He's back in the parable. And Jesus is stating that, that we, the sheep, need to be protected from this thief that comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And actually, the way that the Greek writes this out is even much more gr gruesome. It, it, it's a picture of a lamb being taken to the slaughterhouse. So what Jesus is saying is that this, lamb, this thief comes to take you, to chop you up, and have you as lamb kebab for later. That's literally what it's... Well, I don't know if they had kebabs, but, they're, you know, that's the slaughter. That's what it is. But that isn't all that Jesus is saving his sheep from. It's not, it's not the thief that's the problem. Yes, it is a problem, but it's not the main problem. Because that's what all shepherds do. All shepherds protect people from the thief. But Jesus is a different kind of shepherd. You see, Jesus says the word saved. And that word does not mean salvation from problems. That means being saved or delivered or rescued from sin. Now Romans 6:23 says that the wages of sin is death. So what Jesus is saying is that anyone who enters through him will be saved from death. Jesus is not talking about physical things. He's talking about the salvation of our souls. Because outside of Christ, we all, all of humanity are spiritually dead because we have all sinned. No one here is exempt from that. But this is not the life that Jesus desires for you or for me. That's why he finishes verse 10. What does he say? He says, the thief does this. But what does Jesus come to do? To give life and to give it to you abundantly. You see, the sheep that Jesus is focused on, his sheep, have one great need and that arises above all other needs. They are in desperate need of life. What good is food, water, and housing if you're dead? And it's not that Jesus doesn't mention these other things because they're not important. They are important. Having food, having money, having these, uh, these niceties of life, they are good things to have. Because in fact, Jesus says this. He says in verse 12, what? He is the good shepherd. And he's stating that because he wants listeners to instantly think of one passage of Scripture. Psalm 23, and it's quite well known, and we'll read some of it later tonight. But the first verse of Psalm 23 says what? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And Jesus is the, is the shepherd from Psalm 23. He is the one that is to take us into green pastures. We lack nothing in him because the shepherd who saves us from death can provide for us no matter what. Think about that. Is there anything in this world that you know that can offer that to you? Do you know anything that can save you from death? But even more than that, maybe if somebody could offer you that, could they give you life? Can they extend your life? There's nothing in this world that offers this. And as Jesus is, off, is, is going through this parable, he's showing the people that the shepherds of their time, that humanity is ultimately useless in this venture because none of them could give them what Jesus was offering. But why should we trust Jesus? 
Like if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, or even if you are here and you still sometimes ask that question, why should I trust Jesus? Because there's plenty of things in this world that promise us these same things. They say they can make our lives better, that we can live longer if we do this diet, that we can live our best life now. What makes Jesus' promise any different? Let's see what he says in verses 12 through 15. Jesus says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And we automatically assume that the qualifier of being a good shepherd is what? Is if they're willing to die, right? But the qualifier of Jesus being the good shepherd is not that he is willing to die. Because plenty of men and women throughout history have done the same. In fact, what good is a dead shepherd? Right? Oh yeah, I'll die for you sheep. But if I die... You're going to get eaten anyway, so we're all dead. No, that's, that's not helpful, and that's not comforting. So the qualifier is not that Jesus is willing to die. The qualifier is what the death accomplishes. You see, because his disciples don't know this as he's doing this parable, but Jesus in this passage is referring to his own death. Verse 15 says that Jesus lays his life down for his sheep, not all sheep, just his sheep. And verse 18 says that no one can take Jesus' life unless he lays it down on his own accord. I happen to think that's one of the most like, like gangster things he could say. Like just think about what that means. Like I, this is not even in my, in my, in my manuscript, like, but I'm just thinking about that. Like that's kind of popping. Like Jesus is saying like nobody can fight me. And if I lose, it's because I let him. Like, that's so insulting. It's like, I let you in. Like, that's really <laughs> insulting to whomever's listening to this. And, and, and honestly, it's the Pharisees who are listening to this because in the background, the Pharisees are wanting to kill Jesus. And Jesus knows this. And Jesus says, if, I am, if, I, if you succeed, it's because I let you. <laughs> Not because you're any good. That's, anyway, so back to my actual outline. There's a theologian, um, as I was studying this, for this passage, he, he puts this scenario really masterfully. And, and I, I tried to summarize it, but honestly, no matter how much I tried, I feel like I took away from it. So I'm going to read it for you verbatim from what he says about this passage. His name is Edward Clink. And he says this, at the core of the mystery of the gospel is this absolute and certain claim by Jesus. Even in his death, Jesus is not a passive recipient, but the actual initiator, the one who's in complete control. This is no shepherd who falls to thieves or wolves while trying to defend his sheep, because that's just a martyr who can't help themselves. No, death is something that this shepherd Jesus must face, and he does it willingly so. That is what makes this shepherd Jesus in his act of shepherding so mysterious and remarkable is that death is the very means by which he saves his sheep. For the shepherd does not guard the sheep from those on the outside, but from the sheep themselves. And this shepherd will not carry a wooden staff, but a wooden cross. 
And the food and drink that these sheep receive from the shepherd is not found in a field or a stream, but in the very body and blood of Jesus. That is why Jesus, the good shepherd, speaks of his shepherding so strongly because Jesus is fulfilling what God promised through the prophets long ago. I will save my sheep. And this salvation is made possible only at the cross. Jesus is teaching that he's not just a different kind of shepherd, y'all, but that he's the one true shepherd. Because you know what? That's, that's beautiful. The cross is beautiful. And that death is, is amazing. But what makes it even more amazing is that Jesus does not stay on the cross. He does not stay in the tomb, ladies and gentlemen, because he cannot afford to, because his sheep need him. So he can't stay in the tomb. He must come out to save his sheep. Jesus doesn't just protect his sheep from bad shepherds. No, Jesus seeks to dismantle anything and everything that even thinks about harming his sheep. And this includes death. This is amazing. Because Jesus is the shepherd who is life itself. He is the shepherd who gives life. He is the door of salvation and he calls each of us by name and he pulls you away from the shepherds of death and takes you to the green pastures of life. You no longer ever have to listen to the voice of your past because now you are compelled to listen to the shepherd who brought you from death to life. Jesus reveals that he is the ultimate defeater of sin, death, and evil, that no scheme of the enemy will ultimately destroy us. These other hired hands and these other shepherds, they're clowns. They will run and they will hide when the wolves come, but Jesus stays and defends his sheep. This shepherd is unstoppable. In fact, he runs at the wolves and he whoops them and sends them whimpering along. And then he turns around and he looks at you and me. He goes, y'all hungry? Let's go eat. Because when Jesus says that he will give us life and life abundantly, it's not that he just gives you merely enough. He gives you more than you can even handle. Jesus is our all in all. And if Jesus is our good shepherd, we are in the, safe, the safest hands in the entire cosmos. But honestly, even as I say this, and I know I get passionate about it, but there's in my heart, I know that when I look at the craziness of this world, the words of Jesus feel really theoretical. Like my heart would rather turn to something more tangible that I can touch and feel. Honestly, for me, I'm tempted to believe that, that money will make me the safest. Like I'm, I'm the son of two Latino immigrants and my parents, yeah, woohoo. I don't know who said that, but yeah. Um, my parents did not come from, from money at all. And I mean, okay. I don't know if they would be excited, but sure. And somewhere in the mix of things, I developed the understanding that if I have money, everything will be okay. But believe it or not, uh, being the young adult director here, this was my first full-time job ever. <laughs> and when I got that first big boy paycheck, I was happy. <laughs> like, I was real hype. Um, but what they don't tell you is um, when you get your first big boy paycheck, you got some big boy bills to pay. <laughs> and I remember when I got my first electric and water bill, I did what any normal person does. I'll call my mom. I, <laughs> I like literally called her. I was like, 
Because I turned to Rachel, I was like, can you believe this? She goes, I, don't, I thought it was going to be cheaper. So I got worried. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. I called my mom. And I thought there was a mistake. I was like, mom, can you believe they're charging me this amount? And you know what I hear on the other end of the line? Laughter. She starts laughing. And it's not because my mom's mean. She is one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. But it's because she's been paying bills longer than I've ever been, like I've been alive. And her bills today are more massive compared to mine. So I did what any frugal person would do. I started putting the AC at like 80 degrees at all times. I made sure our showers were short. I did laundry on a need-to-do basis, which, you know, like you, got, you need clean undies. It's a need-to-do thing. Like you got to do it often. And I was determined. Thank you. He was like, Yeah. And I was determined to make sure Rachel and I could save every dollar we could. And I swore up and down. It lasted all but a week, honestly, because I was like, I can't take this AC. But I swore up and down it was because I was frugal. But it was because I was afraid of what my life would look like if my paycheck wasn't there. Because if my money was gone, then Rachel and I couldn't be comfortable. If Rachel, if the money was gone, we couldn't go on trips. If, if the money was gone, we wouldn't be happy. If money was gone, who would take care of us? Have you ever wondered why Jesus calls us sheep? Well, it ain't because he thinks we're cute and cuddly. <laughs> Human beings are compared to sheep primarily because, like sheep, humans are prone to wander. We spy green grass on the other side and we say, peace out, Jesus, I'm going that way. And when life gets hard, whatever we run to exposes what we think will care for us most. And as silly as it sounds, when my paycheck was threatened by the normal act of paying bills, it showed that I believed that money would take care of me. But here's the thing about money. And like many good things in this life, it makes a great servant, but it makes a terrible master. And it's not just money. It's anything we place our entire security in that's not Jesus. And Jesus says here, he gives us a clear warning about what happens if we do that. He says it in verse 10. The, the, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And we often read this verse to mean Satan. <laughs> but trust me. Satan is not our biggest enemy in this life. It's often us. It's our own hearts. We don't chase Jesus. I mean, we don't chase Satan. Satan is trying to come, come after us. No, but we chase money. We chase comfort. We chase this, that, and whatever because we think it's a better shepherd than Jesus. But any caretaker that we use to make ourselves feel ultimately safe will betray us. Porn, it will steal, kill, and destroy. Politics, it will steal, kill, and destroy. Comfort, it will steal, kill, and destroy. The pursuit of status, it will steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus, life, and life abundantly. Because all of these other shepherds, they need you to live because they feed off of you. But Jesus is the only shepherd that we need to live because he is the very source of life. There's another side of that prophecy in Ezekiel, and I'll read it for us. I just want you to listen to it. You can close your eyes if you want to, but I'm, I'm encouraging you to just listen to the other part because remember I said, Jesus is a God 
who doesn't just see everything, but is moved in compassion to act. I love the way this prophecy says Jesus will act. He says this, verses 11 through 16. Just read, just hear this. Hear God's voice and God's word for you today. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search out my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a, like on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will, I love this, hear this. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them Injustice. This is our good shepherd, Jesus. He will chase you even when you turn him away from him. He will seek you if you are lost. He will rescue you when you're in danger. He will feed you when you're hungry. He will heal you if you are injured. He will give you strength when you've lost all. He will deal out justice against those who come against you. There is no other shepherd like this. But in this life, there will be other shepherds who will seek to lead you astray. As we finish up our time tonight, I'd like to just consider how we can protect ourselves from being led astray. One way for us to be protected against those other shepherds is by learning the voice of our shepherd. Like how can we know where to go if we don't know the voice of Jesus? So a simple practical thing that we can do is just read the Gospels. Read the Gospels. You can, you can honestly open up your Bible app. There's these plans. You can do the Gospels in 90 days. That's 90 days to read four books of the Bible. That's not that, like two chapters a day. But here's the thing. You can become familiar with the voice of Jesus in that way. But there's one more thing that we need to start cultivating in our hearts. In verse three, Jesus says, the sheep Hear his voice. And that word hear is not just about hearing sounds, like hearing one thing and not the other. If we learn what Jesus' voice sounds like, but don't follow it, it's useless. See, in Deuteronomy 6, Jesus, God is teaching his people what life with him is supposed to look like. And God begins this section with something called the Shema. And the Shema begins with this verse, verse 4. Hear, O Israel. Again, that word hear holds the exact same meaning as it does when Jesus says that the sheep hear the voice of their shepherd. It's actually the most frequent use of the word to describe hearing along with obeying. It's used 307 times in the Old Testament and 237 times in the New Testament. That's over 500 times. Probably should start listening. But this is the key to living life abundantly. See, he's come to give us goodness and he will take you to the places that supply that goodness. He'll put you in places of intimacy with him. He'll call to you when you wander away so you can come back to feel the depths of his love for you. 
But if you do not follow and obey the voice that calls after you, you will be led astray. And you will experience what the thief has to offer. It will steal from you and kill your soul and destroy your very life. So yes, begin to recognize the voice of our good shepherd Jesus, but I would encourage you to frequently reflect on this question. Am I obeying the voice of Jesus? Because if you do, you will walk in green pastures. You will grow full on the love and peace of Jesus. You will walk unshaken even when this world trembles around us. Jesus is the door of the sheep. He protects his flock from predators. Jesus is the good shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd and we shall not lack anything. This is our shepherd. May we follow him today. Let's pray. God, even in this moment, I ask that you would give ears to us today. It's not that you stop speaking. It's often that either we're not listening or we don't know it's you. But God, I know that for many people here, they need to hear your voice. Pierce their hearts, pierce their ears. May they seek after you. May they hear your voice and be drawn to you. Because in coming to you, they'll come to wells of living water. They'll eat the bread of life. Their anxieties will begin to diminish because they are replaced with the peace of you, Jesus. Their spirits would be arise in them. But God, help us hear you. Help us remember that we not need fear anything in this planet because there is nothing that has ever risen against you and won. You are the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. You are the first word and the last. No shepherd, no enemy, no thief can rob you of what's in your hands. We are in your hands. May we just learn to rest in it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use the message you just received and direct your heart completely towards Him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.